You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I appreciate God's people so much, and I thank God that you're in church on this uh, Sunday morning. I, I do know, as you turn there, that the church and your home, your life, is what this country needs. This country needs God. We are outlawing God, we're spitting at God, we mock God, we're teaching everything anti-God, anti-marriage, anti-male, anti-female, sodomy, wickedness. It's abounding on every front. I have great hope because the Bible says upon this rock, I, Jesus, will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When Jesus comes again, it might be a hard day in society. We know that, a difficult day, a sinful day. But there'll still be faith. There'll still be churches like this and God's people like you that preach the Word of God and teach the Word of God and live and raise up your family for God. When we get to the book of First and Second Timothy and Titus, they're called pastoral epistles, letters. They're written, written to pastors, but also people. I live in these three books constantly. I mark them and remark them. It tells my qualifications of what I need to be if I'm to be a man of God, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God so much for this journey that he's given us the joy of being here for so long. But I tell you, I want, I want to come whenever the end of life is for all of us. I want to speak today on this subject, our journey to the finish line. Our journey to the finish line. Chapter 4, Paul is at the finish line. He's an old man now. He's preached for years. He had won Timothy and he won Titus to Christ, his own son of the faith. And he was depositing to them some things they needed to remember as he was getting ready soon as he was in prison to have his head severed from his body. He realized his time of departure was at hand. And Paul writes in chapter 4 some powerful things about coming to the end of your journey. In the last 10 days, uh, many of us know our friend over here at the grocery store that as a young man really passed away. He was our friend, and before he had to stop working and go home, prepared to die, and he passed away last week, uh, I stopped by the store, and I said, now, and I call him by his name, do you mind if I have prayer? He said, oh, pastor, please do. And at the check stand, and he knew the Lord is his Savior. He was born again, and I'm glad to say, absent from this body, should be present with the Lord. In addition to that one, there have been three former members in the last 10 days die. One was my former deacon last night, Brother Sonny Wilkins, went home to be with the Lord and uh, had the joy of speaking with their family uh, through all that. And what, a, what a blessing he was. Uh, the original deacons that I had about 47 years ago, they're all gone now. Ed Brownlee's gone and his wife to heaven. Lou McLeod, big old Texan, huge man's gone. And Milt Mode was a deacon and he's gone and Sonny Wilkins is gone and we had others as well. They're all passed away. 
There's coming a day when your journey's coming to an end. Went to the viewing this past week of our former youth pastor, 54 years of age, passed away. God is no respecter of persons. I've been out to the cemeteries around here. I've laid to rest children and teenagers and younger people and younger folks that you think it's, it's not time for them to pass away. And elderly people. Our life is but a vapor. And, and Paul writes, and if I could challenge God's people something powerful, to get, get your life in order. Set your home in order. Uh, don't die with regrets. I was talking to Brother Sonny's uh, son, Ryan, last night, and he said, Dad's about ready to go. And then he called me. He said, he just passed away a few moments ago. But he said, I've never met a man or heard of a man that's more ready to go than my dad. He wants to live, but he's ready to go. I want to get to that last day where I'm ready to go. It was on this Sunday in 1977. I just saw you, Lauren, that you and your husband united with our church. Well, now your sweet husband just went home to be with the Lord. Life's but a vapor. It appears for a moment and then it's vanished away. I hope I'm living for God when my day comes. I hope that I'm, I'm faithful to God. The Bible says, I charge thee. Chapter 4, verse 1, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick or the alive and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. And Paul's getting ready to die and he says to Timothy and he says also to Titus, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Uh, always ready whether you feel like it or out when you don't feel like it. Reprove. That is discover error. Rebuke, deal with the error. Exhort, encourage with all long suffering doctrine. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Then he says this as he's in prison writing this letter. For I am now ready, fully prepared. I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give to me at that day, and not only to me, but to all them that also love is appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed to Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry." Our Father, it's a very encouraging subject about the journey of life. It's a very sobering thought that one day soon, for some in this room, it may be this week, that we draw our last breath and we enter into your presence. Here we've had four that I know of in the last 10 days, folks that we have loved and cared for, and now they're in your presence. Life's but a vapor, we know that. Wake us up, please, if you will this day that we might finish our journey
strong. In Jesus' name, amen. It won't speak, take me long when I get into the message, but let me please introduce the message. I think we believe sometimes in life that life gets easier the older you get. Life does not get any easier. Life gets young people that are here today more difficult. There's more people you've allowed entrance into your life. And so consequently, the more you get to know and the longer you get to live, the more heartaches you see, the more betrayal you'll see. There will be divorces. There will be kids that backslide. There will be prodigal sons and prodigal daughters. There will be trusted friends that, that uh, just betray you. There may be, there may be a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law or a son or a daughter says, you can't see your grandkids anymore. Life is not easy. There may be bankruptcy. There may be the loss of a job. There may be a car accident. I was looking at my phone last night, late in the night, could not sleep, and I was going through there, scrolling through, and I went over to Colorado Springs, and I saw, I was just preaching there, and I saw Mindy. Well, I remember when Mindy was a young, youthful girl. <clears throat> and now for the last 10 years, she's been raising those four little children with her husband, a preacher, from a wheelchair because the U-turn that someone turned on the freeway as they were traveling down that freeway. Her husband that came on friend day here so many years ago, I remember at that night he called me, he said, Pastor, I'm on the freeway outside of Denver. They're getting ready to airlift Mindy to a hospital. I don't think she's gonna make it. We rolled about seven or eight or nine times. I want you to pray for her right now. They're taking me to another hospital. I don't know where I'm going. And I see that pretty little girl. And I just knelt by her. And we, she's in a wheelchair. And I, I, I took a picture by her. And I look at that. Just such a sweet, pretty little thing. They're children. Uh, life doesn't seem fair. There's going to be car accidents. There's going to be fires. There's going to be heart attacks and strokes. And there'll be all these different things we face. And life. say, you're being negative. No, that's life. Amen. And the apostle Paul, he wrote of it this way. May I just go back to, he says, of, uh, he says in, in prisons more oft. Of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, save one. I was stoned. They, they put them out of town. They threw rocks at them, thought left them for dead. I was shipwrecked. A night and a day, I stepped and stayed in the deep. He said, in, 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 in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, my own friends betrayed me. In perils, he said, of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in, in perils of the brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watching, in hunger, and, and, and in fasting, and in the cold, and in nakedness, besides all those things, the, the daily care of the churches. That's what it was like for him. By way of introduction, stay with me, and, and let's, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 15. Are you there? This know, thou knowest that all they in Asia be turned away from me. And he mentions two names, Philagius and Hermonius. He said, they're all turned away. 
I've spent my life beginning churches in Rome and Athens and Corinth and Galatia and Ephesus and Thessalonica. I went to Colossae. I established churches. I broke myself down. I took no money from folks. When I had to pay my way, I was a tent maker. I gave my life. And now they're all turned against me. Notice in chapter 2, verse number 9. Wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even in my bonds. He said, I, they're, they're acting like I'm the bad guy here. I, I'm the bad guy. Uh, notice what he says in verse 17. He said, and their word doth eat like a canker, of whom he mentions two more men, Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred. He said, I, I remember these men were busy in the church and now they're airing, they're te teaching about a, a no resurrection. He said in verse number, verse number uh, 26, he said, and they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. The devil's captured their minds. Chapter three and verse number one, this is knowing the last days, perilous times shall come. And he goes through that list. But notice what he says in verse eight. Now as Janus and Jambres, to other people, withstood Moses, so do these. These men that he just listed, the ones that are unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, covenant breakers, they're, they're unthankful, they're, they're, they're disobedient to their parents. Now, now, now the wave of the church, it seems like, does anybody want the gospel, the truth? And, and then he says in chapter number four, in verse number three, the time will come, they'll not endure sound doctrine. They shall turn away their ears from the truth. He says in verse 14, I'm almost to my message, and he mentions another man, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. Wedged between all of this, wedged between it all, he says verse number six, chapter four. Would you read it with me? Chapter four, verse six, ready, begin. For I'm now ready. And then he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. God has given you a course. Today, our journey to the finish line. I've kept this poem for so many years. When our youth pastor left to go pastor a church, who just passed away last week. I don't remember whose funeral it was, but I pastored that church for a season while I pastored this church, both churches at the same time. And they gave us that building and he was feeling called to preach and so we ordained him and he went to pastor that church. I don't know why, but I think it was the, I'm not sure, but one of the deacons in that church, he had passed away and our youth pastor said, come in, Brother Max Hudson, he says, come in, come to the funeral. I believe that's what it was. But I was at the funeral and he was conducting it. He read a poem that's an old poem, but I'd never heard it before and I've read it so much. It meant so much to me because I go, I love to go to the cemeteries to pray. And I'm not trying to be humorous, but it's very quiet there, very peaceful there. And I stopped by all these markers of all the people I've laid to rest in these various places around here through these many long years. I like to read the monuments and the 
markers of our people. And I like to think about them and spend some time thinking about them. And he read this poem. He said, I read of a man who stood to speak at a funeral of his friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from beginning to the end. He noted first came the date of her birth and then spoke of the second with tears. But what he said mattered most of all was the dash between the years. For that dash represents all the time she spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved her know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we lived and loved and how we spent our little dash. So think of this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that still can be rearranged. If we could slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always understand the way other people feel, to be less quick to anger and show appreciation more, love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat one another with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering this special dash might only last for now a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you please be pleased with the things that they have said about how you have spent your little dash? I walk in these cemeteries, Brother Van Dyke, and, and I, I, I look at people that I don't even know. There's a preacher out here, I think it says 1791. I've thought about him many times. I wonder who he was or where he preached in Santa Clara. Do you know, I have this dash right here. You, like me, have loved ones. I have a sister. I've not been able to be her grave marker yet. She passed away not long ago, and it's in Memphis, or she's laid to rest. But she has the date of her birth and the date of her death. I have a mother and dad, and they've died in the same month, and they have a date of their birth and a day. But it's really that middle part that really affected me. Where my dad and my mother were patient, were loving, were kind, and my dad threw the ball with me. My dad worked a job, and my dad taught me the joy of working. And my dad started up the car and took us to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, worked at the church on Saturday. He talked so glowingly about the church. I remember the dash watching my dad and my mother in the choir and singing in the choir. And always busy, and people would get upset in the church. They'd criticize one of my, my mother and dad. Said, "We're not going to go there, kids." Amen. Never criticized the soul. Never criticized the pastor. And I saw their bodies in those those coffins, and realized that really they invested their life in the things of God. Amen. It's not too late. Perhaps you're going to be those late bloomers, and you've done this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. Well, do this right then. Get it settled. Notice what the Bible says in verse number six, our journey to the finish line. The uh, Bible says, for I am now ready. I'm fully prepared. Are you ready? Am I ready? Is there nothing between my soul and my Savior? Is there nothing this way that's wrong? 
If you're not right this way, it's because you're not right this way. Get it right, whatever it may be. I am now ready. Are you sitting on ready? The choir used to sing here in the old building. Are you? We have it on the radio. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready? Are you ready to stand before God and the books the Bible says will be open and the revelation and the, and, and the, and who, the book of life will be open and whosoever's name is not found written in the book will be cast into hellfire? Is your name in the book? My name doesn't deserve to be there. Most, if not all of you, have lived better lives than I have. You're an amazing church. But somehow, by the grace of God, about 15 minutes from here in 1956, when I got saved that night and realized my sin and I confessed to God, I'm a sinner, ask Jesus to save me. I tell you what, business picked up in my life. Oh, yes, I've sinned since then. Yes, I've disappointed myself. And yes, I've been hurt with people like all of us have. But my name's in that book. Not because I'm a pastor. Not because I've been married a long time. We have kids and grandkids. No, it's because God saved my sorry soul. He removed my sin as far as the east is from the west. And he accepted me in the beloved. Are you ready? I've been burdened this week because I know in a church like this, great people, wonderful people, and yet I know those that even claim to be Christians perhaps are not even saved. Are you saved? When you lie in that casket, you cannot have a rerun and say, okay, I gotta get it right. Absent from this body, we're presence in the sight of God. Amen. There's a great white throne judgment when God said, depart from me, I never knew you. You've never been born again. Are you ready? The second thing he says there, I have fought a good fight. Find a fight that's of value. Find a fight that's worth fighting for. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your children. Fight for your grandkids. Fight for the New Testament local church. Fight for the word of God. Fight for righteousness, for holiness, for godliness. Fight! I think so many times we fight the opposite side, the ungodliness, the unrighteousness. No, fight for righteousness. We get so wrapped up in liberalism and wickedness, and that's the battle. That's not the battle. The battle is to declare the church is so big important. You know, you can go to Washington to see all you want, but what about going to Sunday school on Sunday morning? The house of God. I'm ready. I fought a good fight. People will fight you. Your flesh will fight you. Sin will fight you. But I fought a good fight. A good fight. And then I want you to see what he says. I finished my course. I finished my course. For many years, if you've been around here, you've said, find you. I've said, find your course, fulfill your course, and finish your course. What effort did you put in your course this week? Finally, after all these years of living, and I've had a church verse and I have a college verse and we have verses for 
that I sign Bibles once in a while. God gives me that awkward privilege. Third John, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. But God last year finally gave me my life first. And it was 50-some years coming, I could tell it. In my college graduation diploma, the president has on an old manual typewriter that scripture verse, and, and I've kept it. It's in my office. But Paul said, none of these things move me. Neither can I my life dear unto myself so that I finish my course. I want to finish it with joy. Amen. Old people finish as a grump are as sweet as can be. I'm trying to determine how to finish. Whatever that day may be when God says, Jack, your days are up. My sweet sister, not COVID, but just healthy as can be, turned over in bed at two o'clock in the morning and was gone. Just so that, that, that quick. You don't know when your number's up, when your days are up, and neither do I. But get on course. Notice, well, lastly, he says, I've kept the faith. Keep is to protect and to guard. Guard your marriage and guard your children. Maybe, maybe you're one like this and you just say, well, we go to bed at night, we leave the doors open, windows open when it's summertime, we, it's unlocked, we don't lock the house up. That, you may do that. We don't do that. Last thing I do is I check the, 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 the lock and the double lock. And I set the alarm, it's on instant. And I'm ready to get some other friends that I have in the house when someone comes in. I'm going to back up on that because this is liberal California. I have some other friends that stay with us. One is Smith. I want to protect that wife. I want to protect the valuables don't mean that much. She, she means something to me. I want to protect this church. I get weary of every day I've got to correct something. I, I'm watching the music all the time around here on the radio. I, I, I heard a song and I approve them also. Somehow I approve this song on the radio. And, 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 and uh, you say, well, you're a dictator. Pretty close. And I was in my car listening to our station. I heard this song. I just took a picture of it. I want to go back and hear it. I didn't like it. It didn't sound like us. So, man, he's, he's watching everything. These poor media people, they, they, they are so smart with all they do and the, and the graphics design. And they know. I said, try, could you try a different color on this? And I don't try to be obnoxious. I probably am. My wife, I just saw her. She probably would tell you, yes, you are one. So I want to I make sure everything's right. I want to make sure youth activities are right. 
and sports are right and cheerleading is right and camps are right and youth conferences are right and yeah. the music is right and preaching is right and Sunday school is right. That's my job. God says that I am to be an overseer of the assembly. I must guard this place. And I want to say today that our journey to the finish line, who knows how close you are and who knows how close I am. I'll close my Bible to give you hope. I led a lady to Christ years ago over here in Sunnyvale. She began to come faithfully. Eventually they put the kids in the school, but her husband never got saved. He'd come to church once in a while, but he'd never, never get saved. I went to the house many times. I, can, I tell you the street right now they live in. I went to the house, never get saved. Was kind to me. I was kind to him. Never trust Christ. He's now in the hospital, not today, but back then. He's in the hospital several years ago, dying. His wife called. She had stopped coming to church. And she said, Pastor, can you go try one more time? I went to the hospital, but she said ahead of time, really, I don't think he's going to hear you. He's in a coma. He hasn't talked in days. And I'd like to give you some great, amazing story that he woke up and said, yes, I want to get saved. I'll never forget talking to that man. And I went through the plan of salvation, how he was a sinner. And there's a judgment on sin. The wages of sin is death. I talked about the gift of God, that God so loved this world, he gave his son Jesus to die for your sin as he died for mine. I went through the plan of salvation. I said, in a moment, I'm going to pray and ask that God would save you, but my prayer won't save you. Will you please pray with me if you can hear me? Will you please pray with me, though it may not be audible out loud? I want to just pray, and if you believe this, you pray. And I forget I prayed and nothing happened. And I called him by his name and I was holding his hand. Head moved in days and I said, now, call him by his name. If you just prayed that prayer and asked Christ to save you, would you squeeze my hand? And all of a sudden, that hand began to squeeze my hand. His last decision, and he was dead hours later, was he got saved. I've never been as great a soul winner as so many of you folks in this room, but on one day on a Saturday, I led five different men to Christ, all in their 60s, all in their homes, different homes. It was my best day ever. I got over here, not far from the church, a few blocks away, and I'd witnessed to this man and witnessed, and he was a rough old guy. I'll never forget, he always had his holster and his gun right on his bedpost. And, and I, he swear. And his family kept pleading. I'd go by and visit him, and I'd call him by his name. I could call it right now. And every time, I don't want. No, no, no. And just really rough and gruff. I want to say he grew up in, I want to say he grew up in Oklahoma, Missouri, somewhere where he should have heard the gospel, undoubtedly. Now the day's coming, he's dying. I got to the door and there was a nurse there caring for him 24 hours a day. And she said, no, you can't see him. I said, ma'am, you don't understand. I try to be respectful to you as doctors and nurses, but I've got to see him. He is going to die in just a moment, a few moments. I've got to reach him. 
And she said, you cannot come. You stay out there. You cannot talk to them. This was years ago. And I said, I have to come. And I opened the door, and I heard him say with a feeble voice, let him in. I walked to his room, and I'll never forget, I, I, I knelt right down beside him. He's in the bed. And I called him by his name. I said, you have heard me tell you about salvation, and you've rejected, and you've rejected, and you've rejected. I said, I'm going over it again. Whether you like it or not, I went over the plan of salvation. I said, now, when will you be ready? Are you ready? He looked at me and said, I'm ready. And in that bedroom, just a few blocks from here, I'll never forget him praying and calling out to God, save my soul. I wish he had more in his dash, but the last, little last line of his dash were salvation. I don't know all about your life and where you're at, but we're in the dash mode right now. We have the first date on. We don't have the second. We're in the dash. I close. It was July 1976. Our building over here that we have packed this morning, Clyde Avenue. Our church was just 30, 40 people. It was a hot July day right before the bicentennial, 200-year anniversary of this great country. I heard some noise. The church was open and I was working there, I think my wife was working, but I think she had been gone or something, maybe she was there. And, and I was in there and I heard some rustling around. Hello! I walked out there and there was a man, I figured out he was from the rest home next door. He's at the, at the Lord's table that we had there and he had already turned around, was ready to walk out. He had a pile, not a little bit, piles of money they laid there. I kind of figured out what he was doing. His name was Walter Hewlett. And Walter was walking out because though he looked very healthy, he's 90 years of age, he must have known he was going to die. And I said, sir, stop. You left this. He goes, oh, no, that's for the church. I said, well, the church won't take it. And I said, I want you to bundle that up. We won't take that. I said, Walter, we sat in the front row. I said, you're trying to get into heaven, aren't you? He goes, Pastor, I know how to be saved. My wife pled with me, pled with me. Jackie, you were probably working over there at that time. I'm not sure. Highland Hospital was called. My wife told me to get saved, and she passed. I know how to get saved. I went through the plan of salvation. I'll never forget on that day he prayed, asked Christ to save him. Sunday, July the 4th, 1976, I was a young kid of a preacher and he was 90 years of age and we went into the baptistry together on the bicentennial and got baptized. The next week he had someone take him out. He got a sport coat and a sport slacks and a beautiful shirt and tie and a top hat. I mean, it's July. And he'd start walking around. He so spry and thin and just looking so good. He'd come, he bought a, several new outfits. Man, there he was in church coming. He came for 40 days. 
I'd go over to that rest home several times a week, but I walked in there one day, and the nurse was there, and he had just pulled the cover. I said, is that Walter? He said, just died. His little dash, he got in in the last sliver of time. But you don't know how much time you have. The most difficult thing in my life these days, pastoring the church so long, is the hurt and the anguish of watching things you've given your life to, people you've given your life to, disregard. I watch everything. I watched that. I watched somebody walk out this morning. One of our faithful, I watched them walk. They, they have no re- reason to walk out. They have no kids in there, but they walked out because I'm preaching. I see that kind of stuff. I'm not in the lobby, but I guarantee there are people hanging out in the lobby right now and in the, up in the bridge and tower, and, and they'll say, well, my baby needed me. <laughs> I've lived 47 years as the pastor of this church. I figured that one out long ago. You'll stay for the singing, but you don't want the preaching. I've watched people become disloyal, disgruntled, upset. I've watched, you, you name it, I've seen it all. And Paul was here, he goes, they all forsook me. Demas, my right-hand man, we were in evangelistic meetings together. Demas has now forsaken me. But Paul said, none of these things move me. I've got a race to run. God's blessing our church. Crowds are coming, people are coming. The amazing thing of the vision of the church that we're trying to accomplish, and it's called holding, it's great. But a lot of preachers stay, and all of a sudden something happens, somebody leads a revolt. And next thing you know, the building's empty. And the old guy says, we need a new, a new kid in here. How about your journey? He says, full of sorrow. Well, you're going to have to live with it. It's full of betrayal. Well, you're going to have to live with it. And you can hinge your life from bitterness. Or you can hinge your life that God knows it. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.